Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. Today is one of the first days where I got about eight consecutive emails where everything was good news. I'm starting to hear lots of people get phone calls to go back to work. Uh, they all have a very high probability of actually happening. Some of them are as soon as uh, May or June. And some of the larger ones are even as far out as August. So people are starting to get back to work. And one of the things that I'm noticing is a lot of people are being asked to do a little bit extra. And, and it's totally acceptable. It's totally understandable. The profit margins are going to be very thin for a while. Uh, we're all just really happy to be back to work and just touching gear and pushing cases. And we're all going to have to put on a couple extra hats. But that, what that means is it's not ever going to return to the way it used to be. We're not going to have some of the luxuries that we used to have. We used to be able to have, you know, a couple extra people here and there, a couple, some extra gear here and there. It's going to be a little bit lean for a bit. And there's going to be some of the, some of the things that we're really accustomed to aren't going to be as readily available as we want them to, you know, per diems might not be the same. Uh, our rates might not be the same and we might not be able to uh, even uh, request some of the things that we were used to, some of the perks, you know, like uh, like family tickets, you know, the things that we really make our benefits, basically the the benefits of being in the concert industry. And I thought today would be a really good day to have that conversation about some of the the special requirements that we need, and some of them aren't actually requirements; they're just they're perks. So I reached out to a good friend of mine. His name is Dustin Snyder. He is a lighting designer and director out of Los Angeles. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dustin. I really appreciate it. Thanks for Good having to me. See you. Yeah, my my pleasure. So you and uh, I both got into this industry because we love the music. You know, we would really do it for a fraction of the fee, but we don't. We you know we don't want to tell too many people that. But we love it, right? That's true. Um, I. I as I get older, not as much for the love. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, it's not for the money, though. You know, it's uh, it's it, it's obviously uh, from a little from column A, a little from column B. It's it's both. I, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it. But I also um, I, I try to limit myself on the amount of free time I put into shows. I, I know nowadays we have like visualizers and we can sit in our house and work till the wee hours of the morning and never be able to bill for some of that, but you want your show to look awesome. So, you know, that's, it's just finding a balance. Um, I think where, where you're not giving away too much for free, but it, sometimes it's uh, you're, you're your own product too. And whoever sees that show that you spent those hours into the morning 
programming that no one ever paid you for goes, wow, that show was really tight. You're advertising for yourself at the same time. So, you know, it's the balancing act of, of what's too much and what's giving it away for free. Yeah, it's that's a tough one because I uh, I didn't get into this industry to be doing to be you know pushing ones and zeros till three in the morning at my own computer at home. I, I got into it to be a part of live music and in the sitting out at front of house. That's where I really find myself in my zone. Right, but you find you find that that you're under the gun sometimes in those hours, and and that is a thrill of it in its own, but. But to be able to dial it in ahead of time, especially with things like time code nowadays, where you can really get detailed with stuff you could never even pull off live, um, is that that backroom work, which I I I would hope as the world moves forward, you know, um, people would see the value of, and I've tried to show um, my clients the, you know, I I'd show them the difference in a show between mm -hmm. you know here's here's me punting and here's me going and and program here's a song that i just i i went ahead and did so you can see the difference and then here's me just jamming along with your band and right you know, try to get try to get some of that programming time paid for and then at the end of the day when they don't pay for it then you just do it anyway because <laughs> 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 you want your show to look awesome <laughs> All right, so you and I are both over our 40 or both over 40. So we're learning, we're starting to learn. But man, when I was younger, I would pride myself on how far above and beyond the call of duty I would go. If somebody needed me to be there for 8 hours, I would be like, yeah, I'll be there for 10, I don't care, you know, and I would pride myself on giving that stuff away and it, it led to some exhaustion. Have you did you encounter the same thing? Oh, of course. And I mean, it's it, it's not gone. And like you said, uh, now into this hopefully post pandemic world, um, it's still like that. The first gig I worked this year was a 17 hour day. <laughs> like I <had> worked <laughs> in six months and then I worked for 17 hours and it was fine. I was happy to just be pushing buttons again and, and lighting a band and, you know, um, it wasn't quite emotional. There wasn't the roar of the crowd. It wasn't a theater. It was a record executive's backyard in Malibu. But it was still, you know, I'm I'm lighting a concert. Uh, there's the key light. There's the color, you know, and and it and it felt nice, you know. It was touchscreen. One back ever where it was, yeah, touchscreen. I, you know, my console, which goes back to. They didn't pay me for my console. I was just like, I'm not dealing with this weird little dinky console that the sound company that hired me to come do lighting for this thing had. I was like, I'm just going to bring my command wing and fader wing and, you know, make my life easier. I didn't get paid for that, you know, so that it's, it's back to that same conversation, but it made my day easier and it made my show look better. So it sounds like you did that for you, not for them, though. Yeah, I most definitely did that for me, <laughs> but <laughs> but I still had to, you know. I mean, at one point, obviously, this, you know, my console's paid for itself by renting it out over the years. But at one point, you got to shell out that cash. You got to shell out the money for Vectorworks. You got to shell out the money for 
a visualizer if you want a good one, you know. Um, but parts of that is just investing in your own self, investing in your product, which is you and and your ability to, you know, put together a professional show. Oh, thank you so much for bringing up that story because that is a perfect example of the fine line that guys like you and I have to walk. We have to decide, am, am I giving things away for free or am I benefiting myself? Am I, do I need to stand up and demand that somebody pays for this console that I want more than anybody else? Or do I just suck it up and bring it with me? I think you gotta, you gotta judge that on the gig. And it's, that's why it's, it's like, even when you're trying to negotiate a rate for a gig, you gotta try to absorb as much like have a long conversation with the production manager that you may be discussing the gig with before you throw out a rate like what are the days like what are the and and then that's always not the truth anyway but at least you have a framework that they're like okay it's like an eight hour day load-ins are at 8 a.m you know we're out by midnight or or whatever it is you know you and and they better say single hotel rooms because i'm too old for sharing rooms anymore same I <laughs> just that's that's one one point where I draw the line at this point in my life. I'm like, I won't I won't share a hotel room. I had a I had a tour manager I had to share a room with sometimes snored. I never got any sleep. I, you know, two hours I have to go into the next day because I, I couldn't sleep. I'd go sleep on the bus with no air, you know, just because I couldn't sleep with the. You know, I mean, I just. These are the things that we learned the hard, the hard way, the hard isn't it? Line. That's the hard line for me. Like, uh, no shared rooms. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Those are the things like when we're, when we want the gig and then, you know, and we're, we're that hungry or thirsty for that gig, we'll, we'll kind of brush it off. Like it's no big deal. But then when we're in the middle of it, we're like, nope, nope, this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 in fact, like I was saying, when you're having that conversation, um, before you, you take the gig or before you agree to things. Um, and then it's a lie. When do you get out there? You can still try and you base your day rate, you know, around what you think the gig's going to be like, Oh, do I have hands? Am I unloading this trailer and putting up all the lights myself? Like what's the gig, you know, before you throw out that rate and the hotel rooms is part of that. And the PDs are part of that. And all of it's part of that. And, uh, I had a gig a couple years back. And I just happened to see some email pre-tour that mentioned sleeping on the bus overnight. And I was like, well, that makes sense if we're traveling somewhere, but we're, we're in the same city. We're there, but you want us to sleep on the bus. And so I emailed the tour manager and I, and I say, you know, uh, if, it's a, if it's a money thing and it's a just this once thing, I get it, but I don't want the precedent set where we're going to tour for four months and you're having us sleep on the bus. Um, so otherwise, I'm just going to decline now because I don't want an awkward situation later. I'm just not cool with that. And uh, he came back and was like, no, no, no. It's just that um, we couldn't get hotel rooms and we have to be there early in the morning and blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, OK, that's fine. I'm you know, I'm, I can suck it up for one day and I'm not I'm not a prima donna. I just don't want to agree to a tour where this is the norm. And he's like, no, 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 this is an exception. It's all cool. Well, then I get out there and then it is, it is the norm. 
there's days off and we're in uh, parking lot in Secaucus, you know, just on the bus, no hotel rooms, um, no shower room. Like you're like, what, well, what do you, you know? So eventually that led to a, a mutiny on that tour. People refused to work until management changed that because we were all told something different and they replaced the, the tour manager uh, with someone else who then fixed that. Cool. Sometimes, sometimes revolution can be your friend. I wouldn't suggest it whenever it's not warranted, but in, in a case where people were actively lied to um, and, and tried to make sure that, that they were getting what they agreed to. There is recourse. If enough of the crew is like, no way, fuck this. Uh, you know, uh, this is not what we signed up for. And I literally have emails asking you if this is, you know, I have a paper trail saying not cool with this. So let me know before I get on that plane. So as, as roadies and as, as men, I think both of you and I have been trained at some point in our life that we need to avoid the term prima donna at all cost. We need to be the ones that are just willing to jump in and dive headlong into whatever it is that we're doing. And that, that's a tough one for us to avoid. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see how that, that can look like you're uh, white gloving, but, but some things, and, and that's different for each person. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's what you're okay with. And, and you have to, you have to have those conversations with, with production before you get out there so that it's not a conflict you know, it's just what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. And if you're vocal about it ahead of time, you can avoid that situation. But there's also the, you know, like you said, the, the eagerness of you want this gig. Well, what are you willing to sacrifice of your values or your, you know, um, body limits or, you know, I, any yeah. anything that... You, you you aren't necessarily game to do but you're willing to give it up because you want this gig that bad or mm -hmm. you know so you, you have to make those decisions and, and it's all it's all a conversation it's all so that that initial discussion i i had a tour a tour manager that that taught me so much about negotiation because he was such a tough negotiator about things and I'd get out there and I'd say, oh, well, it's not like this. And he'd say, well, you, you didn't, you didn't negotiate for that. And, <laughs> it, and he was a smart man and he, and he wasn't just being a dick. He was teaching in a way. Um, and I learned a lot from that. And I really try to put everything in words that uh, all contingencies, because I'm like, I just don't want to miss communication and, and to have something be weird or me to not want the gig them to not be happy with me, you know, all of it. Um, so there's a fine line between being a very good negotiator and being a prima donna in the fact that you're like, no, I know yeah, what yeah. I want and I know that you can provide it for me. Yeah. And that's why, and that's why it's important to do your research because you, you need to know even before you get into that discussion with them, what, the level of that production is and what 
you're asking if it's outlandish or if it's not based on their uh, budget, based on the size of what they're drawing, you know, in a room, some places can't afford stuff like that. And then you make the decision, okay, I will, I'll do a sprinter van tour. I'm just that bored or I really love this artist and I think I'll do something really creative and I'll suck it up and, and then it'll be worth it for me, you know? can only imagine that you and I have both shared the same experience where on one tour, a bottle of Jack on the bus is no big deal. And then on another tour, asking for a bottle of Jack to be on the, on the bus is like, Oh my God, how demanding are you? You're not going to with, you know, with standards like that, you're not going to make it around here for very long. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta read the room, I guess. (laughs) You know, it's a, you kind of kind of just take it all in and 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 figure out you know where they're at and and how you want to appear uh because yeah because you can you can definitely come off as a as a prima donna and you can be a prima donna sometimes you know um we all have to kind of push it a little bit to see how far we can get the the way I learned that was with business class seats. For the first 15 years of my career, I was perfectly happy with any seat on any plane because I just felt good to be on an airplane. Just being flown somewhere made me feel good. But then after 15 years, and especially as my flights got longer and longer, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody else is sitting up there and I'm sitting back here. What what did, did I not negotiate? Right. What happened? And then, and then things started to change a little bit. I gotta, I gotta try that. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't gotten there yet, Chris. So I I'm at the point where, um, well, I was, I think all my status has gone away, but, um, <laughs> but I'm, I, I was at the point where I didn't ask for business class, but I got it most often because I would get the up grade because I had so many miles on the airlines we were flying um, that I would often get bumped. Nice. Yeah. So I, I was getting that free business class, but I wasn't asking for it. And uh, and we'll see, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, going forward, the wearing multiple hats, accepting less, all of that. You know, I, I, I understand it from a from a promoter or or band's aspect they're not able to fill a venue at 100% capacity they're not making the same guarantees that they were making before so everyone's going to have to have to take you know a little bit less do a little bit more but we have to make sure that that doesn't stay like that when it when it returns to full capacity there needs to be a you know a um something within the the community that says okay well now now we need to be paid back to how we were i you know and i don't know how you go about that but yeah. uh but you can't just let that become the norm and and go and stay with that once you know the powers that be the money makers um start making the normal money again yeah that's for sure yeah my rent is no less than it was pre pandemic my you know, a, a loaf of bread isn't costing me any less than it did pre-pandemic. Feel like, so, uh, you know, I, I can't charge any less. I don't know how it is in Canada, but I feel like grocery stores prices have gone up since the pandemic because that's all people spend money on now. 
man, these uh, these corporations, they're not dumb. They know that everybody's stuck at home right now. They know that uh, if you want that bread, you know, people are just at home consuming right now. That's, that's all they can do. They're, they're not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you look at the Bezos of the world, they've, they've uh, added billions to their portfolio since pandemic. So yeah, um, yeah they're not missing out. This is a the, the best example of that is the airline. When, when uh, gas prices went up, they, uh, they added baggage fees. And then when gas prices went down, they're like, no, we're going to keep those. Those, those are working for us. We're going to keep those baggage fees. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't go the other way. It doesn't like, oh, gas prices are back down. We're going to start charging less. That's what I worry about. If we start wearing multiple hats and we start working for less, when the attendance goes to 100%, how do we make sure that we get back to, you know, making what we should proportionally to what the artist is making? I Unfortunately, I feel like that comes on those of us that have the ability to negotiate and I don't want to say we're prima donnas, but we have the ability to be a little bit difficult or even just negotiate better. I think that's probably the best way to say it. We have to use our negotiation skills as best as we can. Right. I mean, I guess they do teach classes in it, but I've never taken one. <laughs> like, um, <but> that, <laughs> That's something like, you know, um, it's it should be one of those classes like the classes that are missing from our, our elementary schools now where they teach or I don't know, elementary is a bit early, but um, high school now where they teach you to balance a checkbook or they, they teach you to, they don't teach any of the important stuff in school. I don't understand, but like teaching negotiation um, for salary would be a great thing to teach in school. You know, I use that more than algebra. Yeah. Negotiation 101. Yeah. My, my phone does algebra for me. Um, my phone doesn't negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> no, my phone has an amazing calculator. It does not tell me when I should charge 75 for per diem as opposed to 50. You know, you, that's, that's, the, that's the skills that we have to develop. doesn't come on in your ear and go, Chris, you're being a prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's, time, it's time to stop asking for things. Oh, you're not asking for enough. That'd be a great app if uh, you know anyone who could develop it. Dude, just a little thing that every five minutes is like, hey, you're you're really good at what you do. Ask for more. <laughs> like a little motivation, motivational app that just uh, shoots you little text messages. <laughs> like, Yeah. Positive reinforcement me, some- with the goal of making more money. For me, something that would be very helpful now is be it would be one to be like, hey, back off. He he doesn't really uh, need you that bad. You're you're totally replaceable. Chill out. <laughs> right, but then the 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 app would have to be able to read the room, which you know, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a delicate skill. Yeah, it takes time. To, that's for sure. One of the things I used to pride myself on as a as a as a younger younger lighting technician and even programmer as I used to pride myself on being the anti prima donna, the gorilla style programmer who just, who didn't need anything except for a flight and uh, and a laminate. Are you, do you, do you still find yourself in those areas or do you, are you starting to have more special requirements? Are you asking more questions before you take a gig? No, and I and I and I do often regret it. 
Um, but <laughs> it's, it's one of the reasons like I, I got my own console and this is probably eight, 10 years ago. I started carrying at first it was a, um, a Titan mobile. And then, cause I was on Avalites way back in the day and then transitioned into MA. And then that's why I got the command wing fader wing because I was that gorilla that would show up, deal with whatever fat frog they had and uh, tear my hair out trying to figure out some random, you know, scan commander or just any any odd console that I had never seen and had to read the manual. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get a, a show going in the amount of time I'm allotted. And I was like, own your own console. Then you always at least a flyable one. You don't have to own, a, you know, a $70,000 full size, but something mm -hmm. that off a fly date within a suitcase and you know it's there no matter what they've got i mean and you know and i'll discuss with them ahead of time oh you have a you know you have an ma in house okay what version you're running great i won't bring my console or if i do i'll just bring the command section so i can program in the hotel room or you know mm -hmm. so i i used to pride myself on being able to pull off a show on any console that you'd find in the wild but I just found that I spent too much time dicking around with it instead of doing my show, which I'd rather spend the time, you know, focusing the lights and getting the looks together and, you know, just nuances of the performance as opposed to like figuring out how this stupid console works. Yeah, you end up spending a lot of time asking and you're, you're reliant on the house team you're like oh okay can you show me how to do this and then you spend too much time doing that and next thing you know you've you've wasted so much time where you you can't even get to the nuts and bolts yeah yeah so and and nowadays you know um back in the day where you'd show up and they'd have you know some random hog 500 or whatever whatever you ran into um back in the day touring you you could just pull up a punt and it was pretty simple and you know, you could go for it. But now with cloning, you can have a show in the box in your own console, if you've got it and then just clone over the house rig and, and, and fix the problems. And you've got a show that's, you know, it, it could be full on, you know, depending on how much you work with that band it could be full on time coded and, and, spot on the performance and you can't do that with just random console you you run across you, you don't have the time to go in and time code a show and you know mm -mm. page changes and and for things to just be slick and smooth but you've got all the time in the world if you're you know you've got that console in your house and you can just make your show whatever you want it to be with every possible type of fixture that you might encounter and then bob's your uncle so what about other things? What about like outside of lighting? What about uh, like car rental or, uh, or any sort of like food restrictions? Do you have food restrictions? Do you have any sort of food preferences? Yeah, I've been touring as a vegetarian for uh, 10 plus years, which hasn't been that difficult. It was in the beginning, but you could always order cheese pizza, whatever. There's, there's something you can eat. Um, now I've gone, I've gone vegan and haven't toured under under that so 
we'll see. I've toured with a lot of vegans. They seem to make it work. I know it's, I know it's not always easy. I know there's a lot of stuffed peppers and catering. Uh, I think if you Google <laughs> what does vegan be, get stuffed quinoa pepper, um, because that shows up every day in catering somehow. So, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, but I, in, in the vein of, um, of what should you ask for? What can you ask for? Um, I think it's reasonable to request food that, you know, is in your, your dietary requirements or at least a reasonable attempt to acquire that. I know you could be in the middle of nowhere and they're like, there just isn't anything. Um, here's, you know, a, a fruit basket or, you know, whatever they could find. But I, I think it's, it's, reasonable request uh when you're negotiating a contract to to give you oh man restrictions so so yeah this is a rabbit hole we'll go down i i remember when the first time when i had to switch i've, I've got my, my my crew sheet and it says food restrictions and it used to just say na for years and then when i finally switched to veganism i, I had to switch it and i and i you know it's a declaration that you're making like hey no i won't accept any, any meat on the, on the table. I won't accept, you know, please don't kill any animals for me. And then you're making that declaration and you know that when the production manager gets that, they're going to be like, Oh boy, you know, uh, yeah, we're going to have a decision to make with prima Donna again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something that you're, you know, you're, you're choosing to just be like, I will only have Brown M&Ms. Like it's a, it's a lifestyle for you. You're not just doing that uh, on their dime. You're not like, I'm only vegan when I'm touring. That's what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I, I don't think it's unreasonable. It's not like you, you're not trying to be uh, the artist and I will only have brown M&Ms in my dressing room. You know, it's not, it's not, in my opinion, unreasonable. No, it's not like I'm asking for pink chiffon in my... In, in my bunk or anything. It's just, no, it's, I've made a choice. And if I'm eating at home, that's what I would eat. And if you need me to not eat in my house and you're going to, and I got to eat there, please. These are my, these are my requirements. Right. And I am asking for pink chiffon in my bunk um, next. <laughs> Cause that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's far more comfortable. Yeah. I mean, if you can get away with it, you really, like I said, read the room, you know, pink Siobhan in your bunk. Can you do it? No, that's it. So you grew up in the South though. That must've been really difficult for you to switch to make that declaration back then. When did you, when did you, when did you just make the decision? I was uh, 19. I was in, I was in college. I was cooking chicken and I looked at all the animals I had around my house and I, I just thought this could be any one of you. And I, I, uh, threw it in the trash. The dog looked at the trash like, really? You know, <laughs> you're doing with that chicken? <laughs> and uh, grossed me out ever since. Like, I couldn't possibly eat uh, meat. And then, you know, um, I eventually gave up the dairy as well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, in the South in the 90s, when this was uh, probably 94, I would say, when I quit eating meat. Uh, you know, I told my mother, hey, I'm a vegetarian. It's kind of like that that declaration on your form. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and then, you know, her response was, well, that's great. You, you can still eat chicken, though. So, you know, people, <laughs> so, 
um, what that was back then. And now, well, somewhat now, depending on if you're in a big city or a small city, can tell them you're you can at least say vegetarian and they'll know what you're talking about. But if you say vegan, you you might get some weird looks in the South. Uh, I've gotten a um, well, honey, I don't think I know what that is. You know, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've got I've gotten places where where I try to order a salad and I'm like, can you just not have the bacon? No, that that comes with that, you know, so. But it's become so much easier in the modern world than it used to be. I'm curious to see how it is next year uh, touring as, as a vegan, because uh, this will be the first year I was touring vegetarian up until 2020. So. Some of the bands that you've been with seem like they would be far more accommodating. It's, I feel like they, some of the bands that you've toured with, they, they get the idea and they understand the notion. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've toured with bands where the vegos outnumbered the meat eaters and that's, that's becoming at that. I wouldn't say that's becoming more normal, but it's um, people aren't as weirded out by it as they used to be or, or think that you're asking for too much or, you, you know, I, th I think that the general public by and large, especially in the touring industry where there's a lot more liberal people um, don't find it that strange anymore. It's definitely still people who do, but mm -hmm. But on the whole, there's less people who find it weird or like you're needy or have special requests. Yeah, I think a lot of people are realizing that you're not doing it to be difficult. You're you're doing it because you're actually trying to help the world become a better place in, in some regard. Yeah. Or you're just trying not to harm, you know, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand how someone can see that as a bad thing. So. That's a tough one because a lot of people, you know, when I, when I quit smoking, nobody seemed to take offense to that. When I quit, you know, I quit smoking and went to vaping. And when I quit vaping, everybody was just like, oh yeah, you just quit vaping. But boy, when I gave up killing animals, people were just like, what the, did you join a cult or something? What, what's happening? What, what are you, what are you trying to tell me here? You're like, no, I just, just don't want to create unnecessary harm anymore. And I don't know if it's, I don't know how they react to it. it it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, I quit smoking this year as, um, you know, there was coronavirus going around and, uh, I thought, you know, I don't want to, or I do want to have full lung capacity. Should I be so misfortunate to get this? And I should have done it years ago, but I can't imagine someone coming, you know, and going, why, why, why did you quit smoking? You know, like smoking's great. Well, actually, I couldn't imagine that. Um, I used to antagonize. <laughs> didn't smoke. And I was like, you want to start smoking? Come on. But <laughs> that was just a joke. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't serious that I wanted them to start smoking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were the pro smoker antagonist until, until you weren't. Only for comedy. <laughs> but it's the same principle. It's it's harm reduction, and I, and I can't see how anyone would be upset about harm reduction in the world. You know, even if you're, even if you hated animals, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't care about the lives of these animals. 
if you look at you know the carbon footprint of there's a number of reasons um not related to diet why it's a why it's a great idea um and yeah to suffrage of animals why it's a great idea and i think anybody should be able to see um yeah there's so many good reasons say they don't even have to say congratulations just don't judge you for your choice i I'm not a pushy vegan where I judge other people for their choices and I would expect people to treat me the same where they, they wouldn't judge me for what I eat or don't eat. And that's a tough one because sometimes even when we think that we're not pushy vegans, just the fact, just the, just even saying the word vegan, people are like, Oh, do you always have to bring that up that you're vegan? You're like, yes, yes. I have to bring it up every time because you seem to forget all the time. There is a knee-jerk reaction to it, and I'm, I'm hopeful that one day that will go away as it becomes more commonplace. I don't know if there's a way for, for people to not have to say, you know, I don't try to bring it up all the time, but it's necessary in certain instances because you're talking about food or you're, you know, yeah, just comes up. But then when it does come up, people who have that knee jerk to it will always go, oh, do you always have to, you always have to bring it back to this? And you're like, well, no, it's just, this is what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I see it all the time too. It's like, oh, you mentioned veganism. And like, yeah, well, I noticed your Facebook and you have pictures of dead animals like every, you know, every meal. So yeah, I've only brought it up once. You brought it up nine times today. That one's that one's tough for me. It's tough to point that out sometimes. The, inevitably, there's going to be that cheese pizza, and somebody's going to be like, "Well, we're having this communal cheese pizza. Can you partake?" And you're like, "Oh, dude, I really want to. I want to be part of the team, and I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody by turning down something that's been offered to me. You know, it's very kind of you to give me something, but also I know what you had to do to make that happen." Right. And then, and then there's the, um, there's always the, well, can you just pick the meat off of it? There's always that question. And I'm, I'm a no, I, if it's cheese, I'll, <laughs> I mean, this is, we're probably going to have to cut. This. this is not entertaining for people who aren't. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I, I will, uh, I'll take it off and I'll eat it. But if there's meat on there, it, it just grosses me out to the point where I'm just not hungry for it. I'm just like, I, I'd have to be starving, but you know, I mean, I, I have in, see, we're so far off lighting, but I'm, I'm <laughs> it's totally cool. Totally the kind cool. of vegan where like, or, or was vegetarian where I'm, I'm a, I'm a survivalist first. So, uh, yeah. Like if we were stranded on a deserted island, like I would probably eat you before I would die, you know, like right. number one, survival because, uh, you know, yeah. um, and then number two, if you don't have to eat meat, don't, you know, that's yeah. where I fall into it. It's like, oh, well, we fortunately live in a society where that's not the only food and we can make a choice. Right. Um, but if there was no choice and then that was the only choice. I would do it to survive, you know. I don't know if if getting offered a pizza by by the crew is the same as that choice where it's like live or die. 
definitely not death. It's definitely not life or death. Oh man, I want to. I want to go down this one with you. So for me, it would be worse to take the meat and take it off because now not only have you killed an animal, but you're wasting also them. wasting it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I struggled with that one for a while. Like when my fiance and I both decided to make the move from vegetarian to vegan, we still had milk chocolate in the house. We still had honey in the house. And for me, I was like, I don't want that in my body. I don't want to eat that. Let's, let's throw it out. And for her, it was, we already have it. It's just wasteful. And now this animal gave its life for nothing or didn't give its life because it was honey and milk, but, you know, um, was tortured for nothing because you're throwing it out. So that's a, it's a, it's an interesting debate, but I was like, I just want to start fresh and not, you know, and just not have anything in my body that's, uh, comes from an animal and right. Her outlook was don't waste that. And I, I have the same outlook with, I have, three pairs of leather boots that are my favorite boots in the world. They're great touring shoes. And yeah. And I will still wear them on tour because they work really well and I don't want to just throw them out. But when the time comes to buy new boots, I definitely won't be buying leather boots. You know what I mean? Right. So and I don't know why I was one way with food and another way with leather products. So I can tell you I'm in the exact same situation. I have one pair of leather boots left and I can't get rid of them because they still function perfectly. And I know that if I throw them away, I haven't helped any animals by throwing those away. However, every time I wear those, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, if somebody asked me if I'm vegan and I'm sitting here with leather boots on, I'm going to be, I'm going to look like a douche. Yeah. No, that, that exact same thing happened to me. I was, I was touring with Everclear and um, Art Alexakis looked at me and I was only I was vegetarian at the time, but I'm wearing this leather jacket and he's all, hey, nice leather jacket. Some vegetarian you are. And I was like, oh, <laughs> holy shit, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm a douche. I yeah. Yeah. In my face. Yeah. I have to accept this. What do I do now? And the stupid thing was I, it, it didn't cross my mind until he said that to me. I was like, oh, I don't eat meat. And I didn't think <laughs> about the fact that I was wearing leather. I mean, this was like seven, eight years ago. And I had been a vegan before that. But when I was vegan, it was a diet thing. And I didn't do the the clothing thing or the in any other products. And now I've 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 I'm down the rabbit hole where I won't buy anything. I'm, we're trying to get married. We've been trying to get married uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. Well, we were scheduled for August of 2020. And obviously that's been pushed and it's still getting pushed as she's Australian. And, you know, they're not rolling out the vaccine as quick as, as we are. But, um, but I went so far as to get a bespoke suit because I wanted it made without animal product, you know? So I've, I've turned a corner on that, but it wasn't something I immediately um, even thought about. I was like, oh, I won't eat animals. But I didn't even think about the fact that I was wearing a leather jacket. You know, that was <laughs> that was fine. I, you know, it's a long process. It's a process. Yeah, I don't know why it didn't occur to me until, you know, he made that comment to me. And I'm like, holy shit, that is stupid. <laughs> Oh man. Next thing I knew, I, I went down the same rabbit hole. Next thing I know, I have to replace my mouthwash because that's been tested on animals. Next thing you know, I just found out that toilet paper 
the little glue Whoa. that like sticks the end of the toilet paper that's made of animal products. So we had to find vegan toilet paper recently. I mean, uh, do you know about vegan wine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I saw the, uh, I, I figured all that out now. I even I mean, saw Maynard. Did you ever see the thing that Maynard's wine? Oh, he tool. Well, I, you know, I toured with the perfect circle. Yeah. Uh, he, like, oh, I, I found out our, our wine is vegan. Oh, here, fixed it. And he put <laughs> in there. And so that was, put bacon in his wine. That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's his sense of humor. Uh, he <laughs> actually has that, that sense of humor that is, uh, um, oh, but vegan. But some people, that's, you know, a joke to them. Like, uh, you know, um, I, I tour with another band and, and, and the drummer, she's like, she'll, she'll make, jokes that that oh that's disgusting it's vegan like she hates veganism but it's a it's a joke or i don't know it's a it's a recurring joke um <laughs> so is it really a belief i'm not sure <laughs> but and then there's other people that are seem genuinely offended by it but like this same person would you know uh they would bend over backwards to make sure you got something that you could eat she, she's not you know Mm-hmm. She's not trying to really hate on it. She's just trying to be funny. Yeah, think- there's a fun thing, funny thing. I think you and I both know that people can hate veganism and love vegans and vice versa. Like I can hate killing animals, but I love people who meat. I love meat eater yeah. people. You know, my my, you know, the world's full of them. We love yeah. them. Everyone we know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most yeah. of the people. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> most about ninety-seven percent of the people I know. Yes. Well, it's not quite that percentage, but I mean, I I, I feel the same way about Republicans. You know, it's like there's a lot of them I love. I don't I don't love what they stand for, but you know, I, my family's <laughs> in Texas. There's a lot of them that I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love you all. I just don't uh, agree with most of the things that you stand for yeah yeah you know it's yeah anybody can eat or think or fight yeah it's the great thing about uh freedom Uh, i would say this country but you're in canada so i i think that i will know that i've gone too far when i'm demanding that uh, all of the hotels have cruelty-free shampoo and conditioner I feel like that'll be too. I think like I'll know that I'm I'm being too much of a diva at that point. Yeah, you pull on Morrissey at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no meat can be cooked in the venue. Um, if I and you're the LD, yeah, no yeah. Meat can be cooked within a three mile radius of the venue. Yeah, there's lines, and you have to know your place in that line. And request what you think is reasonable and, and be willing to not get the job if they think that's unreasonable. Yeah, that's a really good way to bring us back to where we were going. I don't think as the LD, unless I'm working for like Moby or Morrissey or uh, Chrissy Hind or something, I don't think I have any any stand above my own personal dietary requirements to ask for anything above and beyond. Yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, I wouldn't say that you'd be able to make any sort of requests about what other people can do ever. You know, that's uh, like I was saying before about to each his own. It's, but you you should have the right to you know request what you find reasonable, and and you can 
that's why I have have the conversation. You can always say, well, this isn't this isn't a good fit for me because you can't provide what I need to eat and I, I have to eat to perform my job. And here's an interesting one. I think that we can have let me pop this out. So if I'm allergic to down, I can request a synthetic pillow at all the hotels that we go to. However, if I'm vegan, could I ask that they replace all the down pillows and comforters with different uh, bedding everywhere we go? Guess it's a double standard, but I think if you were the artist, you could request that. But as crew or the designer, I'd say maybe just bring your own pillow. Okay. I don't know that, that, that to me, so it, everything is, you know, based on wh- how I feel about it. I don't know what's right or wrong, but to me, that seems yeah. that we're playing a game. It's called prima donna or not prima donna. I think we're testing <laughs> pillows in your room. Uh, prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> Can I still be on Dustin's tour if I have this demand? Prima Donna or not Prima Donna. That's a good game. Maybe we'll do another podcast where it's just Prima Donna or not Prima Donna. Yeah, I think that's a bit far. I think you can request, Are you? if you were so inclined to want to work that out, I wouldn't have it be a burden of my tour manager. I would have to, in my okay. free time, call the hotel and try to work something out because I don't think that's they should be spending their day trying to worry that I've got vegan pillows. Perfect. I think you, I think you nailed it there. Yeah. Uh, okay. You got it. You got another one. I do. Uh, if I have a peanut allergy, can I demand that there are no peanuts in catering at all? If I'm vegan, can I demand that there is no meat in catering at all? I think allergies um, fall under a different category because no one's going to die except for the animals who are, are the meat in this scenario, but no human is going to die because you made, made the request. So not having meat is an unreasonable request because there are people there who eat meat and you're not going to die because they're eating meat, but you could die because they're eating peanuts and so then that, that is a reasonable request. No meat and catering, I'd say unreasonable. So the vegan is the prima donna. The person with the peanut with the legitimate peanut allergy is just protecting their life. Yeah. If you're, if you're requesting no meat and catering and you're not, you know, Sir Paul McCartney. <laughs> I am not, I am not, I am nor have I ever been a member of any of the, the greatest band in the history uh, of world. Nor have you been royalty? Nope. Nope. I'm not royalty. Okay. Can I demand Jack and Coke out at front of house? Every single place we go to, I want it to, sorry, whiskey and Coke at front of house. Everywhere we go, it should be a, a local whiskey. Am I a prima donna for asking for that? Depends on the scope of your tour to me on that one. That's if, if you're touring at the level that they are, it's no problem. Like that's a conversation with your tour manager and they're like, yeah, that's too much to ask or no, they're going to give us whatever we want. So tell me what you want. Yeah. That's, that's, I believe, I don't think it's a prima donna move depending on the tour. 
Like, you know, if you're touring okay. LD for the stones and they provide you a front of house cooler, I've been on tours where they provide me a front of house cooler and they're like, and we're carrying caterers and they're like, what do you want in there? You know, mm-hmm. and you can decide. I've also done tours where, you know, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing you could ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not even supposed to be drinking, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that's all you got it. Read the room. <laughs> Read the room. Read the room. All right, man. I am going to take a note uh, in, a, in a month or so. I'm going to reach back out and we are going to do an entire podcast of <laughs> prima donna or not prima donna because this is this is good stuff right here. All right, man. I think, I think we covered everything we wanted to. I think we went down a serious rabbit hole that we didn't really plan, but that was that's good stuff, man. Thank you so much for making time, Dustin. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I hope I hope we didn't lose too many people with our, our tangent. <laughs> but it was it was fun to discuss. I mean, I I, I have a few vegan touring friends, but I, I don't get to uh, discuss often enough the specific hardships that that we as a as a for now small portion of the touring community face. But I mean, there are a lot of people that that can relate that even if it's not diet to other restrictions that they may have maybe maybe you've got a a limp or you know bum leg or you're you know any any kind of thing that you need a little bit of something that not everybody else needs but it's it's a necessity to you can relate to that you said it already best that we all have to learn how to negotiate for what we think we need and that's that's the key right there yeah definitely thank you so Um, much dustin i really appreciate it yeah it's a pleasure chris let's keep in touch